Chapter Twenty One of the Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty One, The Vision in the Crystal. Silva laid a hand tenderly upon the bowed head, as though in benediction, but I could have sworn there was unholy triumph in his eyes. I caught but a glimpse of it, for he veiled them instantly and bowed his head, and his lips moved as if in prayer. The kneeling figure was quivering with sobs. I could hear them in her throat, and my heart turned sick as I saw how she permitted his caressing touch. Then suddenly she sprang erect and, without a glance at me, hurried from the room. There was silence for a moment. Then Silva arose and faced me. "'You see how it is, Mr. Lester?' he said. "'Yes,' I answered dryly. "'I see how it is.' I refolded the will, slipped it back into its envelope, restored it to the drawer, made sure that all the packets were there too, replaced the drawer in the safe, closed the door, twirled the knob, swung the shelves into place in front of it, and finally, my self-control partially regained, turned back to Silva. "'Well,' I said, and my voice sounded very flat, "'let us sit down and talk it over.' He wheeled his chair around to face me and sat down. I looked at him in silence for a moment. The man was virile, dominant. There was in his aspect something impressive and compelling. Small wonder this child of nineteen had found herself unable to stand against him. "'I know what is in your mind,' he said at last. "'But after all it was her father's wish. That should weigh with you.' Her father was mad. "'I deny it. He was very sane. He found the way, and he has set her feet upon it.' "'What way?' I demanded. "'Where does it lead?' "'The way of life. It leads to peace and happiness.' He uttered the words as with finality, but I shrugged them impatiently away. "'Don't float off into your mysticism,' I said. "'Let us keep our feet on the earth. You may be sincere, or you may not. It is impossible for me to say. But I know this. It is not fair to that child to take her at her word. She doesn't realize what she is doing.' I don't know what it is you plan for her, but before you do anything, she must have a chance to find herself. She must be taken out of this atmosphere into a healthier one until she has rallied from the shock of her father's death and emerged from the shadow of his influence. She must have time to get back her self-control. Then, if she chooses to return, well and good. To all your musts, Mr. Lester retorted Silva, I can only say that I am willing. I have not lifted a finger to detain her but what if she will not go? Then she must be made to go. Another must, he rejoined lightly. I would remind you that she is mistress of her own actions. Neither you nor I can compel her to do anything she does not wish to do. It has been a great happiness to me that she has chosen as she has. It would have been a great sorrow to me had she decided differently. But I should have acquiesced. Now it is for you to acquiesce. After all, what claim have you upon her i admit that i have no claim i said more calmly but there is one who has a claim and to whom she is bound to listen you refer no doubt to that misguided young man who is now in prison i refer to frederick swain yes i retorted hotly it is true he is in prison and how did he get there by coming when she called him by trying to assist her was it assisting to kill her father queried silva and his lips were curled with scorn. I paused a moment to make sure of my self-control, for it seemed to be slipping from me. "'Señor Silva,' I said at last, "'how her father came to his death I do not know, but I do know that Swain had no hand in it.' 
yet he is in prison he reminded me innocent men have been in prison before this i will get him out by what means by finding the real murderer i said and looked at him with eyes which i knew were bloodshot he returned my gaze steadily so you think i am the murderer he asked quietly i got a grip of myself i saw that i had gone too far i do not know what to think i answered i am seeking light in any event swain merits some consideration miss vaughan should at least listen to what he has to say she promised to marry him she has withdrawn that promise she has never said so she has withdrawn it in choosing as she has chosen they who serve in the temple of siva turn their backs on marriage i put the words away from me with a gesture that means nothing to me i said i know nothing of the temple of siva i wish to know nothing for mysticism repels me but i do know that she gave her word i do know that she loved him earthly love fades and passes said the yogi solemnly she has given her heart to the master and he made his gesture of reverence there was anger in my eyes as i looked at him how was one to reply to such jargon i would point out to you senor silva i said that miss vaughan is not yet of legal age and so not quite her own mistress does your law interfere in matters of the heart he inquired blandly or in matters of religion no i said flushing at his irony but the law demands that until she is of age she have a guardian to protect her interests i shall ask that one be appointed at once to that said the yogi mildly i have not the least objection in fact mr lester i do not know why you should tell me your plans but for some reason you seem to regard me as an adversary i am not i am no man's adversary i object to nothing i have no right to object to anything i am simply miss vaughan's friend and well-wisher and seek her happiness i should like to be your friend also and swain's i queried a little brutally the friend of all men said the yogi simply they are all my brothers we are children of the same great spirit i was silent for a moment then i took swain's letter from my pocket if you are sincere i said you can easily prove it i have a letter here from swain he gave it to me to-day and i promised to give it to miss vaughan to-night without a word he crossed to the bell and rang it the maid answered mr lester has a letter which you will give to your mistress he said and you will wait for an answer i added the girl took the letter and went away silva sat down again and when i glanced at him i saw that his eyes were closed five minutes passed and the girl appeared again at the door miss vaughan says there is no answer sir she said and let the curtain fall into place i made a gesture of despair i felt that the game was lost after all mr lester said silva kindly what is this fate that you would prepare for her you seek her marriage with a young man who when i saw him appeared to me merely commonplace admitting for the moment that he is innocent of this crime you would nevertheless condemn her to an existence flat and savourless differing in no essential from that of the beasts of the field it is the existence of all normal people i pointed out and the one which they are happiest in but miss vaughan would not be happy she has too great a soul that young man is not worthy of her you yourself have felt it i could not deny it few men are worthy of a good woman i said lamely faugh good woman and he snapped his fingers i abhor the words they are simply cant but a great woman a woman of insight of imagination ah 
for such a woman the way that i prepare is the only way there she will find joy and inspiration there she will grow in knowledge there she will breathe the breath of life mr lester and he leaned forward suddenly you have the courage to consult the sphere what do you mean you saw how i spent the white night of siva he made his gesture of reference will you gaze for an hour on the crystal for what purpose i do not know what may be revealed to you he answered that is in the keeping of the holy one perhaps nothing perhaps much will you make the trial his eyes were distended with excitement his lips were trembling with eagerness i feel that it will not be in vain he added there was something compelling in his gaze after all why not i struggled to my feet with a strange smile he held back the curtain and i passed before him into the hall and up the stairs as i hesitated at the top he opened the door into the entry and again my senses were assaulted by a heavy numbing odour in the middle of the room the crystal sphere glowed softly take your place upon the couch he said sit thus with your legs crossed and your hands folded before you but first listen to me there is in this no magic this sphere is merely a shell of crystal in which a small lamp burns it serves only to concentrate the mind to enable it to forget the world and to turn in upon itself the visions which will come to you if any come will come from within and not from without they will be such visions as the holy one may will and by the holy one i mean the spirit which pervades the universe even to its farthest bound the spirit which is in all of us alike the spirit which is in good men and in bad men like you and me and men like the one who slew my pupil it is with this spirit if the holy one so wills that you will commune so that you will see no longer with the poor eyes of the body but with eyes from which nothing is concealed either in the past or in the future do you understand i think so i murmured unable to take my eyes from the glowing circle then to the holy one i commend thee said the yogi and sat down on the couch opposite me i felt that his eyes were upon me but mine were upon the sphere and in a moment i was no longer aware of him i was aware only of the glowing circle which seemed to widen and widen until the whole universe revolved within it the sun and the moon and the stars were there and i gazed at them as from a great distance i saw stars glow and fade i saw great nebulae condense to points of light and disintegrate to dust then slowly slowly but growing clearer and more clearer until i was looking down upon its seas and continents and suddenly as it turned before me i recognized the earth europe asia the broad pacific swung below me then land again america i saw great mountains broad plains and mighty rivers the motion ceased i was gazing down upon a great city built upon a narrow spur of land between two rivers a city of towering buildings and busy streets then upon a single house set in the midst of lofty elms then i was in a room a room with books against the walls and a door opening upon a garden from the garden the light faded and the darkness came and a clock somewhere struck twelve then suddenly at the door appeared two white-robed figures an old man and a girl the man was talking violently but the girl crossed the room without a backward glance and passed through a door on its farther side the man stood for a moment looking after her then flung himself into a chair and put his hands before his face 
with creeping flesh i looked again at the outer door waiting who would enter and slowly slowly the drapery was put aside and a face peered in i could see its flashing eyes and working mouth a hand in which a knife gleamed was raised cautiously to the cord and when it was lowered it held a piece of the cord within its grasp i could see the eager fingers fashioning a knot then with head bent the figure crept forward foot by foot it was at the chair back and even as the old man conscious at last of the intruder raised his head the cord was cast about his throat and drawn tight there was a moment's struggle and i saw that the hand which held the cord was red with blood from the wrist a stained handkerchief fell softly to the floor and then the assassin turned to steal away but as he went he cast one awful glance over his shoulder the light fell full upon his face and i saw that it was swain's i opened my eyes to find myself extended full length on the divan with silva standing over me a tiny glass of yellow liquid in his hand drink this he said and i swallowed it obediently it had a pungent unpleasant taste but i could feel it running through my veins and it cleared my mind and steadied my nerves as though by magic i sat up and looked at the crystal the other lights in the room had been switched on and the sphere lay cold and lifeless i passed my hand before my eyes and looked at it again then my eyes caught silva's he was smiling softly the visions came he said your eyes tell me that the visions came is it not so yes i answered strange visions senor silva i wish i knew their origin their origin is in the universal spirit he said quietly even yet you do not believe no and i looked again at the crystal there are some things past belief nothing is past belief he said still more quietly you think so because your mind is wrapped in the conventions amid which you exist free it from those wrappings and you will begin really to live you have never known what life is how am i to free it senor silva i questioned he took a step nearer to me by becoming a disciple of the holy one he said most earnestly but i was myself again and i rose to my feet and shook my head with a smile no i said you will get no convert here i must be going i will open the gate for you he said in another tone and led the way down the stairs through the library and out upon the gravelled walk after the drugged atmosphere of his room the pure night air was like a refreshing bath and i drew in long breaths of it silva walked beside me silently he unlocked the gate with a key which he carried in his hand and pulled it open good night mr lester he said the sphere is at your service should you desire again to test it think over what i have said to you good night i answered and stepped through into the road the gate swung shut and the key grated in the lock mechanically i turned my steps toward godfrey's house but i seemed to be bending under a great burden the burden of the vision end of chapter 21 read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com